Hey, hey, and welcome to Moving Acadiana, a podcast where we talk about a culture that, like a stick of butter in a hot pot, has melted into something beautiful. From great people to great food, from music that makes you dance to festivals that make you happy, and from time to time, we also talk about our local real estate market. I'm your host, John Ray Perkins. Let's get moving. All right, everybody, welcome back. We got Austin Shoemaker with Neighborly Home Lending. That's right. I actually remembered that it's not the old name. <laughs> That's right. Far, formerly Louisiana Home Lending. There you go. So uh, so thanks for joining us, Austin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell me, um, tell our listeners, who who is Austin Shoemaker? <laughs> who is Austin Shoemaker? Well, I am uh, first and foremost a mortgage broker okay. locally. So you're the uh, guy that we blame all the interest uh, that's fiascos right. on. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so stay tuned until the end. We're going to get some predictions about yeah. where interest rates might go. Yeah. And they're not Austin's fault. Correct. Correct. Please do not blame me. No. I am not Jerome Powell. Uh, <laughs> we'll blame him. Um, so no. Uh, yeah. Who's Austin Shoemaker? So mortgage broker um, locally here in town. I do about 30% of my business in New Orleans and the rest of it here um, in Acadiana. Um, you know, um Started the company in uh, September 26th of 2017. Okay. We've kind of grown it to a team of uh, 13 of us um, over the years. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the kind of the story. Now, but September of 17 wasn't when you got into the business. No, I'd previously started, I guess, uh, about two and a half years prior to that. Um, so it would have been uh, the beginning of 2015, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just coming off the back of uh, getting out of the oil and gas industry, like um, many people did at that time, kind of oh, yeah? 2014. See, I don't know if I knew the do- crash, if well, you will. What did you do in the oil and gas industry? Yeah, so I was kind of on like the I was an operations kind of boots on the ground person for a um, subsidiary of a public company, Waste Connection. So we were on the environmental side okay. of uh, oil and gas. So how long did you do that? A year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Operations makes sense. Know, yeah. Knowing you, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it taught me a lot about how to manufacture things in terms of like uh, and keeping things on track. Um, really, like that assembly line mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, having a standard operating procedure for everything. So, like, if this happens, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is why. This is when. Um, which you know gave me a, a really interesting lens once I got into the mortgage business and kind of realized like, wow, everybody does it a little bit differently. And Mm -hmm. hence, you know, there's so many variations as a real estate agent, I'm sure you realize that, you know, from loan officer to loan officer, not to even mention company to company, things are just done so differently. So do you find that on your staff internally, uh, each one of your LOs is a little different? So I would say we try to give them enough latitude to, to create their own style with giving them some guardrails, right? Like, Hey, here's how we really suggest we do it. Here are the SLAs in terms of getting back to people in terms of submitting things in terms of, you know, you have to have this done until it can move until you can move the goalpost, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, but still giving them some sort of sense of freedom because that's also what the job's about. Sure. So, yeah, it's one of the reasons we get into it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, why the jump from oil and gas to lending? I mean, to be frank, it was really, you know, cost-cutting measures that, you know, they were making and, you know, I kind of was like, "Hey, 
um, I don't really want to go through that again. I mean, got laid off, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, eh, it's probably just isn't the industry for me. Yeah. And so that's when I decided to make a, make a change. I was actually, I was coaching CrossFit classes at the time and this guy that I was working out with owned a lending company here in town. was like, Hey, you know, why don't you go get your license? Like you'd be good at this. And I was like, eh, I don't know. And it took me like four months to actually go and, uh, start even studying for the test and, uh, ended up doing it and closed a few loans, decided that I liked it and then kind of jump head first. Okay. So, um, how long did you do that before you started up neighborly? Two and a half years. Okay. Yep. Um, what did you learn in the two and a half years of doing that, that set you up to be a business owner? Uh, so I come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, not, you know, wildly mm-hmm. successful entrepreneurs, but self-employed mm-hmm. business owners, um, that just always had a knack for, you know, um, I would just say like, honestly, getting things done, starting things, operating things. Uh, it's kind of just a function of how I grew up. I think I don't really know any other way. Like being in a salaried position for me is like really doesn't feel secure. Uh, that's like, that's interesting. Antithesis as that may sound, you know, I don't really know any other way to exist. Cause my parents, you know, were always, uh, entrepreneurial. What, what, what sort of entrepreneur ventures did they have? Yeah, so my grandfather on my uh, mom's side started um, uh, Soup's uh, restaurant in uh, Maurice and Hebert Specialty Meats, okay. my two uncles um, as well. Um, Man, I'm just learning all kinds of things today. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's about. Yep. But um, that kind of really was a catalyst for, you know, just kind of seeing how they worked and how life could be if, if you weren't at a nine to five, you mm-hmm. know, now I work a hundred hours a week, but you know, <laughs> um, but you get freedom. That's right. Yeah. Quote air quotes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it just gave me a, a real introspective view as to like, I don't know, I guess if that's how you're conditioned, that's all, you know, then that's how I knew how to live, you know? Yeah. So when I got this salary job making great money, I was like, Oh, okay, well, what do I do now? Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, it's the lifestyle. I think that we get to design, forget mm-hmm. about the, the paycheck. It's, you know, yep. we, we work a lot, right. Mm-hmm. But then that gives us the luxury to go and play a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you work a lot. Hopefully the reward is great and you can take that, you know, earned income that, that you make and, and reinvest it, reinvest in yourself, um, in real estate, in the stock market, whatever it may be, but it's a vehicle to get you to that next step. Right. Yeah. So exactly. Um, so in that two and a half years, um, um, having that entrepreneurial background, um, that's what led you to begin. What was the the time Louisiana home lending Mm -hmm. has rebranded to neighborly. Yes. Um, tell, tell us about that adventure. In terms of just starting the company? Yeah. Yeah. What's it like to start a business? Man, I mean, uh, to to be fully transparent, it's like I had my last like 20 grand to my name and uh, I was kind of at a crossroads. So I was actually just at, um, uh, I was going to be taking a position for this like micro, what I would call a micro private equity uh, firm out of New Orleans. And before they got it off the ground, the the principal of the company just like total almost filed bankruptcy and just, it didn't work out anyway. Okay. So I was at a crossroads. I was like, well, self, what do you know how to do? And, uh, I knew how to originate loans and I knew that there was a better way to do it. 
um, or maybe not a better way, but a more efficient way uh, that I saw like in my mind mm-hmm. that it could be done. So that's really where it started. And I started it honestly as a means. I never thought I would grow it past me and an assistant, to be honest with you. It was never the goal to be a big company or, or even like a small to mid-sized company or even have employees. Yeah, It was kind of just like, hey, let's get some loans in the door. Let's close them well, close them competently at good rates, offer a very good value proposition. And that's what we're going to do. And we've kind of done that and it's grown organically from then. Sure. Uh, Last year, y'all um, were named what the top what was it? Yeah, so we made the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing privately held uh, companies in the United States. Um, so for those that um, aren't familiar with Inc., it's a publication that comes out yearly. It's the top 5,000 fastest growing companies privately held in okay. the U.S. Um, so, you know, it's not one of these things you buy into. Like a lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, sure. how much did you pay for that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you do have to submit to it, but... You know, you've got to provide three years of, you know, either audited financials or tax returns. So it's legit. You yeah. Know? So it's something that, you know, not only I'm proud of, but I'm really proud of my team for giving me the support, you know, to be able to or, or you know, really us all giving each other support to get to. That's a milestone. I mean, it's a huge accomplishment. No, absolutely. For a small company, um, you know, of our size. I mean, most companies that make that list are 20 to 200 employees. And you're 13. 13, you Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at the time, I think we were 16. Okay. Um, so we've scaled back, obviously, with the market. You know, sure. we've contracted a little bit um, just because the the market dictates that we kind of have to right now. You know? Yeah, no, so, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, you talked about a more efficient process. Um, you and I met in 2019 when mm-hmm. I was brand new to the business and had a buyer who couldn't get qualified by somebody else and um, sent him to you and we bought a house and then we actually just recently bought another one. Yeah. Um, what makes your process more efficient? Like, yeah. Like tell us about your, what in your mind, what sets neighborly apart? Yeah. So I think, you know, number one is the customer service aspect. Um, you know, for years, I think loan officers especially have had this mentality of, well, I work nine to five and like, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think outside the box. Um, you know, I'm really just a salesperson. I don't have to be hugely competent in terms of how to get these things done. I just get them in the door and people take care of that for me. We've tried to really be the antithesis of that and be as competent as humanly possible as a loan officer. So the people on the front lines working with the borrowers to make sure that we fully understand and meet them where they're at mm-hmm. to make sure that we can effectively originate their loan. Okay. And I think that's why you see we're able to approve people that other people just sometimes won't even look at, right? It's not a function that they couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, they can. It's totally in the bounds of guidelines. It's totally in the bounds of what they could do, what anyone can do in, in the mortgage business. It's just we take the time and I think have the competence level that's just one notch higher. Sure. You know, and that I think is the neighborly difference. And you couple that with a really good back office. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You take that with a really competent back office who can get a loan to the closing table in an average or or from submission to CTC in an average of 16 days, I think is where we're at right now. And then you have something really special because it's replicable. Mm. So I think that 
in and of itself is the is the difference. One thing that I've enjoyed about working with you and I've, I've done some deals with, I think two or three of your other loan officers, um, is the thinking out of the box, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. how many deals have we saved yeah. because we've thought out of the box and we right. found a way and we got creative, you know? Yeah. Like you said, all within the guidelines, right? Where, but other people would have just given up. Yeah. You know, um, that's that's the thing that I really appreciate. Like, I know if I have a neighborly yeah. lender on well, that. I mean, it's one of our core values, change the status quo, you know, and compete every day, too. So we're constantly competing with our not only our direct competitors in the marketplace, but we're competing with ourselves to make sure that we're getting better every day. And we're changing the status quo of how we do things like hey, if something's working, well, that's great, but we could probably break it down and rebuild it to work better. Mm. My team would, is probably going to hate me for saying that, but <laughs> they always think I'm crazy. And So give me an example of that that drove your team crazy. Well, we're always changing, like, management styles, and, like, you know, I'm reading this book, and I'm like, oh, this would work, and, oh, that's not working, so, like, let's let's rebuild that. That's I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, current softwares or, like, you know, how we label documents. I, I don't know. It could be as, as small or as big a problem, but like I'm going to find a way to like somehow improve it, you know. Continuing to tweak the systems. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a quote last year at a conference that I was at that said, we don't uh, we don't rise to the level of our competency. We fall to the level of our systems. Oh, that's uh, Atomic Habits. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, somebody said it from a mic on a stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Atomic Habits is on my reading list i haven't gotten to yeah, it that's yet. a good one yeah 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 so um where do you see neighborly going yeah so i honestly you know i know fact, you, you didn't see it here but you, yeah, like yeah. If, if you had to think so, into the future yeah so um it's funny we had our we, we have a monthly like company meeting where it's an all hands meeting and um everybody kind of had this one question they were like okay like what are we doing next and uh you know kind of told him, I was like, guys, like we are really, really, really well positioned in the market right now. Like we're going to hang out for a bit. So to answer your question, where do I see us going? I see us like getting more efficient. Mm -hmm. I see us, um, probably maintaining the staff level that we're at for probably a couple of years, just depending on how the market kind of settles out. But, um, I see us lifting, I see a huge amount of opportunity to garner more market share where um, I I think we could probably garner another 10% of the market share in this market Mm -hmm. with the same amount of employees that we have right now by becoming more efficient. That is my goal. That's where I see us going. And that's what I'm fighting for. Nice. Any idea what your market share right now is? So the latest that we've pulled is about it's eight to 10%. Okay. It's pretty good for a 13 person company. Um, I would like to see that at, you know, 18%. -hmm. Uh, that's my goal. Um, how we get there is kind of KW is at 21%. You should, you should get to 21%. Yeah. Well, Hey, look, we need a few (laughs) more people. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, last year we originated 88 and a half million in uh loan volume. Um, you know, which again, for That's the size huge. of our company is, is a pretty, pretty good number, but I don't see a reason why it shouldn't be 200. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, I, that's where I truly see the company going. I don't see a scaling in terms of people. I see a scaling in terms of units and efficiency and volume. Okay. I like it. 
I look forward to being part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the market. The market. A lot has, and, and specifically interest rates, right? Yeah. So this is my first real estate episode in my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, let's just kind of backstep a couple of years. Um, COVID happens, the world shuts down, interest rates hit 2%. What happened? Like, um, like, how did we get there? And then we'll fast forward real quickly to where we are today. Yeah. So, you know, I always tell people like, look, I'm not an economist. Like I'm good at originating loans. Like, sure. you know, um, with that being said, like, you know, there's a certain- footnote disclaimer. This is yeah, Austin right. and John Ray's opinion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, but I mean, you know, I guess in, in terms of like what happened during COVID, like obviously there was a whole bunch of money introduced into the economy for mm-hmm. quantitative easing. Um, which means that basically the Fed prints money, puts it into the, stimulates the economy, right? Yep. To make sure it keeps going. Because remember, we were in free fall. We didn't know what was going on. Um, and that caused rates to, when you introduce money into the system, that causes rates to crater, right? Which is what happened. And after that, you know, we saw this. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, we were at 2%, let's say, call it. And today, you know, the I think I looked at it this morning. I mean, the average 30-year conventional mortgage rate is 6.89%. Okay. So we're pretty high. I mean, we're not as high as we had been. I mean, What I, was the know, highest we got? I want to say like 7.75. Okay. Was like the national 30-year average. On the broker side, um, which is what, you know, we are, we're always a little bit lower than that with less fees uh, just because we operate as, as a different model sure. type. Uh, less overhead mainly is kind of what drives that. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just a very different calculus when you're approving people and their payments are now $600 mm-hmm. more than they would have been, you know, at, at X or Y price point at a 2% rate versus a 6% rate. Sure. So, yeah. So the government introduced all this money to the yep. economy, drove the, the rates down, trying to keep us afloat, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, what, starting last year in 2022, um, what, April, May, I think, we started seeing the rates start bumping up and bumping up. Yeah. So, I mean, what happens when you intro- introduce a whole bunch of money into an economy? Well, you're probably going to get some inflation, yeah. right? So that's kind of where we're at right now. And the Fed's working to curb inflation by increasing the federal funds rate, which, you know, de facto increases mortgage rates, not directly, right, Mm -hmm. but indirectly. Um, And uh, they're also not so, you know, when COVID happened, the Fed started one of the the premises of quantitative easing is that um, or one of the strategies rather is that the Fed starts buying agency backed mortgage backed securities. Um, so basically, they buy these huge bonds to create liquidity in the marketplace in the form of mortgage backed securities, right? Okay. Which sets the supply and demand ratios of of um, those securities and and effectively sets the interest rates that um, they're derivatives of. Okay. So. Not only is the Fed increasing the federal funds rate, the Fed is also no longer buying mortgage-backed securities, which creates less liquidity in the market, which tightens up the market, mm-hmm. so rates go up. Okay. So that's why we've seen this huge like springboard effect where it's, 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 it's just happened so fast. So the Fed 
if I'm understanding this correctly, mm-hmm. and, and correct me if I'm not, yeah. um, the Fed introduced money to the economy that stimulated the economy, but mm-hmm. and at the same time, they started buying down the rate. Or essentially. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's okay. a good way to think about it. And so now we're no longer introducing money and we're allowing the rate to come up to try to yeah. reduce the rate of inflation. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be working. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had some really positive signs, you know, a couple of CPI reports ago mm-hmm. where inflation was, you know, at, I think we had gotten as high as eight point something percent. Don't quote me on that, but I think we're back. We're down into the six percent range or six point eight percent range, whatever it is. Um, you know, but we had this banger jobs report that came out um, a couple of weeks back. That was like five hundred seventeen thousand non-farm and payroll jobs that got added. They that was kind of out of the left field. Like the estimate was two hundred thirty thousand, I think, or somewhere around there. Okay, um, so it was almost du- it was more than double. It was more than double. Yeah, so. You know, that shows that so there's more people still, have jobs. Am I understanding that or less people that, have jobs shows that there's a really strong labor market, okay. which indicates higher inflation because companies are still growing. They're still spending money. Got right? you. So that's an indication to the Fed that eh, maybe we need to hike rates by half a percent next time. Maybe not a quarter of a percent. OK, so. I guess take with it what you will. Back you know? at this almost seven percent rate. Yeah, the jobs report really, really affected mortgage rates. I mean, we had seen a, a resurgence of the upper five percent rate again. Mm-hmm. You know, it started coming back down, and uh, you know that's no longer. Yeah, just in two weeks. So um, okay, so that's where we've been. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I know we don't have a crystal ball, mm-hmm. so we can't really yeah, predict. Mine's it. in the shop. Yeah, it's in the shop. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things you're fixing. That's right. <laughs> Correct. We're building it. Yep. Um, so where do you think we're going? Like, do we know we're going to hang out at this rate for a while? Do yeah. We, I mean, I think, like, look, the people that are a lot smarter than me, the economists that yeah, we who's follow. who's speculating what right now? Right. I, I mean, the general consensus is that rates are going to trend downward. We're going to have these little cycles where we have a month or two months of, you know, some higher priced rates and then they're going to fall again. That is the general consensus. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that you can really, uh, I guess, the telltale of that is that um, the margin compression. So basically how we get paid on these loans is from a yield of the interest rate. It's pretty simple. So basically, if I sell a you know five percent rate, I'm going to make X amount. If I sell a five and a half percent rate, I'm going to make X amount. It's going to be more than the five yeah. percent, right? What's interesting is the higher rates right now are not necessarily paying more money on the secondary market. Mm. Why was why why is that? Well, it it means that the market perceives that those higher rate mortgages that they're not going to get the value out of them. Because those people are going to refinance out of them. Ah. And they're going to have another mortgage and they're not going to get the servicing value. So out the of that market loan. feels like it's going to, that's right. The rates are going to come back yeah. down. So I think that's an even better, you know, leading indicator uh-huh. as to where we're headed. That's interesting. As opposed to any economist. It's like, what's the market telling you? Yeah. You know? So, so if I'm anyway. a buyer right now, um, Look, Austin's talking about rates. I'll just throw out a couple of numbers myself. Mm. So, um, you know, in 2019, when I first went active, we had around 3,300 homes 
active for sale in the market, right? Our average days on market were 90. Um, so that means that from the time the post goes in, the, in the, the signpost goes in the yard until that signpost comes out of the yard, mm-hmm. um, most houses were 90 days on market. Um, we got down to like 20 something days and we're hovering around 45 days right now, mm-hmm. right? So we went from 3,300 homes to we almost touched 850, I think, at one point. Like that was the lowest that we had. Mm-hmm. Today we're at 1429. Um, at least that was about two hours ago when I was looking right. at the uh, right. hot sheet. The interesting part to me is we haven't crossed 1500, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've stayed in that 1400 mark. We've we've come close to 1500, but I haven't seen us cross it. Um, and now we're staying in, in between the 1400 and 1450, right? So I think it's, you know, we're, we're Mardi Gras week, right? Yeah. Um, it's spring shopping season purchase season. And so, um, I think it's a great time to still be a seller in Mm -hmm. our market today, because I think that you have equity that you've never realized before. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can tap into that equity for a lot of different things. Um, if I'm a buyer though, Mm -hmm. why is now a good time to buy? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you just had that conversation with one of my buyers. Yeah. I mean, if I were a buyer right now, I would see a huge amount of opportunity. And like, so where, where do I see opportunity? Well, what may have been a house that would have cost you, let's say 300,000 today because of market dynamics and that the shift that's happening, maybe it's a $280,000 house, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe you can shave a little bit off the price. Maybe it's, as you said, things are on the market a little bit longer. Yep. Maybe sellers are kind of finally coming around to, Hey, maybe I can tweak the price a little bit more, Mm -hmm. you know, than previously thought. And as a buyer, like you look, you're gonna have the higher interest rate. It's kind of just a uh, a um, a factor of the market right now. But and it's a big but because we don't know what's gonna happen. Sure. But the market is telling us that rates are going to go down at some point. And it, this doesn't mean that you have to be in this uh, mortgage for 30 years, right? It does mean that you have to make sure that you can make the payments comfortably yep. for the next, you know, two, three, say even four years. Yep. Um, but what I always tell people is like, look, if you find the right house that suits your needs at the right deal for the right price, whatever that looks like, you know, the rate, while it is a big part of the equation, can start to be less of a part of the equation when the deal is right. And sure. I think that's kind of where, you know, we're at in the market now. Yeah, is I agree with that. I'm yeah. I'm having I'm winning closing calls for buyers today. Yeah, right. I mean, when did that happen? Any time in in 2020 or 2021? No, I mean, into 2022. I mean, it, I mean, it, in the height of all that. I mean, I, you read the contracts, right? Yeah. Uh, we put in appraisal gaps and we didn't do inspections right. and we, you know, like all the things, right? Yeah. We escalated them, right? right. My favorite. Um, and so, and today we're we're, we're seeing sellers give more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and look for some sellers, if it's priced right, we're still getting multiple offers yeah. because our inventory is still low. Yeah. Um, and look, so, I mean, we've gotten creative on the lending side as to like, okay, how, well, how do we bridge the gap in terms of payment? If it's payment shock to the borrower, you know, there's all these different unique buy down features that we can do, whether it's permanent or temporary mm-hmm. or so it's just about getting creative, meeting the borrowers where they are. As I was saying earlier, you know, making sure that we're competent, that we're knowledgeable at all the products that are coming out, um, and how we're approaching our borrowers, you know, 
with that information. Sure. At, at the end of the day, like it's our job to educate the borrowers and let them make the best decision for themselves. Yeah. Um, but in order to do that effectively, we've got to know the products inside and out. Absolutely. Um, and y'all do that well. Yeah. Um, do you ever think we're going to see two, 3% interest again? I doubt it, man. Yeah. You know, barring another, you know, kind of crisis. Hopefully we never have a crisis like that again. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I mean, I, I don't think so. No. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So last three questions that I ask everybody. Um, what is your favorite Cajun dish? Ooh. I saw you sitting on the edge of your seat wondering what I was going to ask. Yeah. I was like, Oh geez. Uh, <laughs> favorite Cajun dish. I would have to say, man, I love a good catfish cubion. Mm. Yeah. That is great. Yeah. It's a good, good choice. One. Yeah. I knew I liked you. Um, second question. Favorite festival. Oh, favorite festival. Um, locally. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, podcast Black is called moving to Katie. Anna, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Got it. Black pot. <laughs> oh, I don't know that. I know that one. What? Yeah. We'll talk about it after the podcast. Okay. What time of year does that take place? October, I believe. Okay. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's anything you can cook in a black pot. Mm. It's the best way I can Ooh. explain it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last one. People Somebody camp out, you know, it's awesome. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to talk about this. Yeah. Um, and third question, somebody listening to this, thinking about starting a business, what mm -hmm. advice would you give them? Ooh, good question. Um, you know, I think, again, it depends on what kind of business you're starting. Sure. But I think a lot of what I hear people like battling with now is like, oh, I want to get everything perfect and it's got to be perfect before I launch. And it's like, that is not what entrepreneurship is. No. It is just about getting shit done. Yeah. And effectively executing. That is it. Every day, day in, day out, get shit done. Yeah. Move the needle. How are you going to do it? The rest will literally figure itself out. And hey, guess what? If it doesn't, you'll fail. And that's fine. Fail quick. Yep. Go on to the next thing and execute that. I love and it. it will work. Yeah. Fail, fail forward. Yeah. So, so I like it. Well, yeah, cool. that's, that's my, that's my uh, two cents. Thank so. you for coming on. Yeah. We, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. I'm sure we'll have you back on again. So be prepared yeah. for that phone call. All right. Well, yeah, you'll, <laughs> you'll have to think of three uh, new questions to ask yeah, me. Yeah, Get yeah, me we'll, on the edge of my yeah. seat. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with some. So. Sweet. Awesome. Awesome.